Good morning. Well, I have good news and I have bad news. I trust that over the course of the next 45, 50, or hour and a half, uh, the, the, most of you didn't catch that was a joke. That's, that's, that's rough. Uh, I, I trust that the good news will become apparent over the course of the message. So I'm just going to tell you the bad news. The bad news is that according to Caleb Billingsley, I have to sing the sermon this morning so that you will remember. So, uh, and because of that, since I'll be singing the message this morning, I have uh, developed a new title. Originally, the title of the message was going to be, uh, Why Do We Seek to Plant a Hispanic Church in Champaign-Urbana? But the alternate title is Let There Be Rock, um, <laughs> since I'll be singing in the uh, style of one of my favorite bands. So anyway, uh, so that tells you something about myself. Obviously, none of that is true. Well, no, most of that is not true. I will not be singing. And the title of the message is indeed, Why Do We Seek to Plant a Hispanic Church in Champaign-Urbana? So if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 9 through 12 here uh, this morning together in a few moments. Uh, and if you're using one of the uh, chair Bibles, I believe that's page 1032. So if you want to turn there. If you are new, relatively new to Redeemer Church, or uh, whether, or maybe you've been a, a, a long-time member, and I realize using the term long-time member is uh, kind of ironic since Redeemer Church has not yet celebrated its one-year anniversary of its official launch. Uh, we'll, we'll celebrate that actually uh, later next month. Uh, so long-time members, again, a bit ironic, but whether you're relatively new or been here a long time, you've probably heard us talk about our desire to plant a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana, right? Help me out. Is that, have you heard us talk about that up to this point? Yes. Right. So some of you might be wondering, well, why do we seek to plant a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana? At least I hope that some of you are wondering about that because for the next, seriously, 45 minutes or so, that's what I'm going to be talking about. So I, I really do hope that some of you are wondering about that um, and, and desire to know what, why that is a goal, why that is something that here at Redeemer Church we talk about. So to begin to explain that to you, to begin to talk about that with you this morning, I have a confession. I need to confess to you this morning that Redeemer Church is one of the most ethnically diverse churches I've ever been a member of. Now here's why that's a confession. Look around. Okay, look around. Okay, now, I'm sorry. Um, I apologize to those of you who are a little bit diverse from the rest of us. Everyone's staring at you now. Okay, my bad. Didn't think that through all the way when I asked you to look around. Okay, but if we, if we looked around at Redeemer Church, we would see some ethnic diversity. And I, I celebrate that. But before we get too self-congratulatory, the reality is... We're not very diverse. And this is a problem. 
It's a significant problem. And in fact, the reality is that we, and I don't mean just we as Redeemer Church, though we fit into that we. I mean we as, you know, fallen humans saved by God's grace. We tend to reach out with the gospel and befriend and build relationships with those that are just like us. And I'm convinced that um, in the light of Scripture, this is inconsistent with the gospel and the nature of salvation. And, and that's really what we want to look at today in Revelation is the nature of salvation. And, and I'm convinced that the nature of salvation compels us to reach out with the gospel to those who are different from us. So let's, let's look at that truth uh, more closely today as we look into the scriptures. Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 9. Follow along with me if you will. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And God, we ask now that your word would accomplish in us what you have already proclaimed that it would do, that it would be profitable to us in teaching and reproof and correction and in training in righteousness so that we might be adequate and fully equipped for every good work. God, I pray now that for both the, the preaching of your word and the hearing of your word, that your spirit would lead us and be our guide and our teacher in this whole endeavor. God, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. I, I suggested that we might be asking the question, why do we seek to plant a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana? Why would we do this? Well, I, I'm going to suggest that that's the wrong question. Again, in light of Scripture, in light of what the Scripture, in light of what this Scripture that we're looking at today says about the nature of salvation, I don't think why would we or why do we is the, is the right question. I think the question should be why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we plant a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana? And maybe, uh, maybe we should go as far as to say why haven't we? Why haven't we already? planted a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana? I think those are the, the questions that really ought to be asked today as we think about, you know, the nature of salvation compelling us to reach out with the gospel to those 
who are very different from us and how that affects us here in Champaign-Urbana and at Redeemer Church and in our individual lives. So, what does the scripture say to inform this? Specifically, Revelation 7, beginning in verse 9. Well, look at verse 9. Look at the picture in heaven in verse 9. It says that around the throne, there are those from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. And they are gathered around the throne and they are worshiping God around the throne in heaven. Let me ask you this question and you guys know me and you know that when I ask you a question, I anticipate an answer. I'll let you know when the question I'm asking you is rhetorical and you don't need to answer out loud. How does one become a worshiper in heaven around the throne? Okay, good. I'm glad somebody knows the answer to that, because if not, we're going to have to have a different message this morning. Uh, uh, Yeah, through Christ. It's being redeemed by Jesus, by by having our sins forgiven, uh, by the by the wrath of God for our sin being absorbed by Jesus, which is what? Yeah, propitiation. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, hallelujah. That's how one becomes a worshiper around the throne, by being in Christ, by being a Christian, by being one who has repented of sin and put faith and trust in Jesus and Him alone for the forgiveness of sin and the hope of eternal life. That's how one becomes a worshiper in heaven around the throne. So what we have is a picture in heaven of those who have been redeemed in Christ. It's a picture of the church universal. And you've heard us talk about this, this idea of the church universal, or in other words, you know, uh, believers through time, throughout time, from every place, that is really just a heavenly term. The only time we really talk about all believers throughout time everywhere is when we're thinking about it in this heavenly or, or uh, uh eschatological, in times kind of stuff, okay? And, and that's where Revelation is a picture of that. So what we need to understand is that there will be a day in heaven where worshipers around the throne will be there from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And, and here's what I think we need to take from that, that the nature of salvation is to redeem some from every ethnicity, every people, and every language group. That, that is the very nature of salvation, and it is, it, this truth is reflected, as we've already seen, in that heaven is populated by some from every part of the globe. That heaven is filled with worshipers from every ethnicity and every people group and every language group. And so if, that, if, if heaven is populated with those, then certainly the nature of salvation is that some... From every ethnicity, every language and people group would be redeemed. And I think if we wanted to look at some other places in Scripture, we would see this truth is reflected in other language in the New Testament. Some of that uh, language about the whole world. Can you think of, you know, 
a passage of scripture very popular and loved and memorized by young and old that has that kind of language. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And when, when it says that God loved the world, God loved the whole world so much that he sent his son, it's saying that God loved people from all around the world. God so loves people from every ethnicity, every language group, every people group, and the very nature of salvation is to redeem some from every one of those groups that God sent his son Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This truth is reflected in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. You know, go and make disciples where? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, in the language of the New Testament, we, we, we hear this all nations or the whole world kind of language, particularly as it applies to the proclamation of the gospel. The Great Commission Matthew 28 is about the proclamation of the gospel. Think about um, the Mark's sort of um, expression of, of the uh, Great Commission. Of course, it's dangerous for me to talk about Mark at all, you know, because Pastor Chet will be preaching through the book of Mark, and he'll get there. And I don't, I'm not trying to steal any thunder, okay? So it's one... Okay, all right, great. Yeah, yeah. Y'all all forget it by the... No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No, absolutely not. I do not think that of you. Okay. But yeah, it, it, it's go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Again, you've got this whole world kind of language, meaning people from every ethnicity, every language group, every people group. So reflected in the passage we're looking at in the population of heaven and reflected in the language of the New Testament, we have reflected this truth that the nature of salvation is to redeem some from every ethnicity, every people, and every language group. Well, what does that say about you and I? think it's pretty clear, right? And it calls from some self-evaluation on our part, some examination of our own lives. But let's 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 put it in this kind of language. When you and I are reaching out with the gospel to people from every ethnicity, every language, and every people group, then we display the nature of salvation. We are being consistent with the gospel. Okay, that being true, guys, what's the opposite? Exactly. When you and I don't 
reach out to those who are different from us. When we fail to take the gospel to every ethnicity, every language, and every people group. When we are most comfortable and we, we, when, when we fall back into our a default mode. And just for the record, what is default mode for us as human beings? Our sinful nature. Let's get that straight. Let's get that straight in our thinking that default mode for you and I is our sinful nature, our fallen condition. That is our default mode. So when we fall into our fleshly, sinful default mode of only reaching out and interacting with people who are just like us, we are inconsistent with the gospel, and we deny the very nature of salvation. Because the nature of salvation is to redeem some from every ethnicity, people, and language group. That is the very nature of salvation. And we are either going to be church, friends, beloved, we are, we are going to be either consistent with that, or inconsistent with that. There really isn't any middle ground. There really isn't. Well, we either, we're either living that or we're not. We're, we're either going beyond and getting outside of our default mode, outside the sinful nature. And, and, and let's, let's also be clear about this. When we, are, when we are resisting the sinful nature and living beyond that, then... We're living by the Spirit. We are yielded. We, we are living a life that is yielded to Christ, walking in obedience and living by the Spirit that is within us, the Holy Spirit that is within us. And when I say Spirit, I mean Spirit with a capital S. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, that, that's, that's the reality when we are consistent with the gospel and displaying the very nature of salvation. But not only is the nature of salvation to redeem some from every ethnicity, people, and language group. The nature of salvation reflects God's heart and God's purpose. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. What does this worshiping throng... By the way, just another sh short bit of... Uh, one time I was sharing that passage, and I, and I got my words mixed up <laughs> on worshiping throng. Just use your imagination a little bit. But don't dwell on that, okay? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But what does this worshiping mass say? What, what is their worship anthem? In a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. Man, that, that is a very telling statement, okay? That's, that's, that's a great theological truth. Salvation all of it, every part of it, in its entirety, belongs to God. Salvation belongs to God. It's His because He conceived it and He accomplished it. Salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the escape of God's wrath and judgment for our sin, through 
the offering of a substitute, a perfect sacrifice in our place so that we might have the forgiveness of sin, the hope of eternal life, and a right restored relationship with the God who created us. That is entirely God's design. He designed and conceived of salvation. It's his because he conceived it. He designed it. He de- it's, it it's his heart. It's his plan. It's his purpose. God's purpose in salvation. It's his. But not only did he conceive of it, not only did he plan of it, but God himself also accomplished it. Because God himself, coming to earth in the form of a man, we call that the incarnation, Jesus, who lived a perfect life here on earth, never committed sin, though the scripture tells us he was, he was tempted as a man in every way, yet without sin, he, for our sin, in our place, because each of us are guilty of sin, we have all been tainted by sin, are corrupted by sin, and stand guilty before God. So Jesus, in our place, went to the cross, and he suffered, and died, and experienced God's wrath and judgment for our sin upon himself, so that by turning from our sin and placing our faith in Christ, which in itself is also a gift of God, it is God himself who draws us to the truth, opens our eyes to it, regenerates us so that we can then respond in faith to it, okay, God accomplishes it. And then, of course, Jesus, after dying upon the cross, was buried and rose from the dead on the third day, a glorious resurrection, meaning so much for you and I. Um, In fact, Perhaps a series of sermons someday could be on the resurrection, okay, and its meaning to us, okay? You know, yeah, may, maybe this Why Do We series, may, may, maybe one of these days will be, why, why do we make a big deal about the resurrection? Because it is a big deal, okay? But, but just a few truths about the resurrection for us in God accomplishing salvation is that God raised Jesus from the dead. So, again, he accomplished it, but it's, it, it signifies that God accepts Jesus' sacrifice for sin. It also uh, demonstrates the victory over sin and over death. Okay, And it's an assurance of our own resurrection in Christ one day. And this is salvation that God himself has conceived of and accomplished. Therefore, it's his. And because it's his, it reflects his heart, and his purpose. So when we talk about Jesus dying for our sin so that by faith we can have a right relationship with God, we need to understand that that's that's God's heart and purpose displayed. In ways that I honestly cannot comprehend. God desires. His heart is to glorify himself by having right relationships with those he has created. You know what? I can't explain the why of that. Um, because it's not logical. Okay, it isn't. It isn't logical that a God who is complete all by himself 
will still desire and could actually receive glory by being rightly related to his creation. I, again, I can't, I, can't, I can't explain that, but I know it's true. Because God's word teaches us that it's true. And so God's heart for people, his heart that, that some would be in right relationship with him, that some would be redeemed, is reflected in, in, in salvation. His heart and his purpose. His purpose to receive glory by redeeming some from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and every people is reflected in that very nature of salvation. So the nature of salvation is to redeem some from every ethnicity, every people, and every language group. But then the nature of salvation reflects God's heart and God's purpose. So God's heart is one uh, of love and reaching out to us in his loving kindness and showing us that love expressed in his son Jesus ultimately for his glory and honor that that it reflects his heart it reflects his purpose and that ought to be I hope that is a source of joy and a source of celebration and quite honestly I I trust that that calls you in humility to give thanks to God for his very nature, his heart and his purpose in salvation. And I, and I trust that it com- compels you, it, that it leads you to a life of worship. Okay, and you know, again, as Caleb very, you know, um, very well and rightly pointed out that, you know, part of that worship is what we do here in singing, but also part of that worship is just what we do in life, in our living in obedience. So I trust that this truth about God's heart and God's purpose reflected in the very nature of salvation compels you to a life of worship. And then finally, if you look at verses 11 and 12, looking at verses 11 and 12, we see that God receives glory when his purpose in salvation is displayed. We get this picture again in heaven, this this mass from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, this huge uh, congregation, this worshiping throng. They're gathered around the throne and they make these declarations of praise about God and his work and his purpose and his heart and salvation. And as that happens, there are these angels who are around the throne. And, and then inside that circle of angels, there are these elders on thrones with crowns we hear in other places in the book of Revelation around the throne. And then there are these four living creatures that, you know, <laughs> sound like something from a Stephen King novel, to be honest. Okay? All right? You know, these four living creatures, heavenly beings. And here's what the scripture says in verses 11 and 12, that they, when the, when the worshiping throng makes this declaration about salvation belonging to God and, and displaying just by their very presence there, God's nature or the nature of salvation displayed in God's heart and God's purpose displayed in that nature, they fall down and worship. They give glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving to God because they see the nature of salvation displayed. They see God's heart and God's purpose in the nature of salvation displayed. So it all culminates in God receiving glory. God is glorified when his purpose in his heart and his purpose is displayed in salvation. And the nature of that salvation is that some 
would be redeemed from every ethnicity, every people, and every language. So, what do we do in response? How does this, what does this have to do with the planting of a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana? Because, you know, I, I told you at the beginning that that was what I would be talking about. And, and you probably have noticed that I've gone on for several minutes now and haven't mentioned Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana. Well, the very nature of salvation compels us to reach out with the gospel to those who are different from us. And in our context, one of those groups of people that are very different from us are Hispanics in Champaign-Urbana. You know, since we are compelled to reach out with the gospel to every ethnicity, every people, and every language group, then we must be aware of those around us who are different from us and who are unreached or underreached with the gospel. And, and guys, Hispanics in Champaign-Urbana fit that, that, that people group. There, there are over 10,000 Hispanics in Champaign-Urbana. And that's actually not counting any, any uh, Hispanics who might be here attending the University of Illinois. That, that group is not even uh, a part of this calculation of 10,000. That's just simply Hispanics who have moved to Champaign-Urbana and planted their lives here. 10,000. And here is another reality. There are very few who are reaching Hispanics with the gospel in Champaign-Urbana. There are uh, two Catholic churches that have a Spanish mass every other week. And there is one Hispanic church that is in Urbana. And that's it. And... I'll tell you that the Hispanic church in Urbana does not have 10,000 members. Okay? It's not like they're all going there, all right? That, that, that they're all being reached there. No, they're not. Hispanics in Champaign-Urbana represent a significantly underreached group with the gospel. And so we, we have to be aware of that. But awareness isn't enough. It can't be enough. Think about this. What if, what if God were simply aware of our hopeless condition apart from Christ? What if God was simply aware, oh yes, all of those people I created, they are mired in sin. And of course, I, being holy, can have nothing to do with them. And I did, of course, you know, there is hell in which all of those that are Unholy will spend their eternity. Okay, so, um, man, I'm aware that they're all going to hell. Now I'm going to go and just enjoy the Trinity. I mean, God's, God would be aware, right? How many of you are comfortable with God simply being aware of our sinful, hopeless condition? Raise your hand. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so none of you are dumb. Okay, because that would be ridiculous, right? Now, we, we rejoice in the fact that God went from awareness to action. And God acted on His love and His compassion and His awareness of our condition. And He acted in Christ to redeem us. 
we rejoice and celebrate that. And, and if we're going to reflect the nature of salvation, which is to redeem some from every language and ethnicity and people group, then we've got to move beyond just awareness. Awareness is a start. We must be aware, but we must move to action. And, and actually take the gospel and reach out to those from every ethnicity, language, and people group with the gospel. Which means building relationships across culture, across language. It, 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 it means spending our resources so that they might receive the gospel. It is both living out the gospel in our actions and most assuredly speaking the truth of the gospel with our words. It's, it, it, it's, it's all of that in action. And I want to suggest that one of the greatest ways, in fact, really the best way, and ultimately the only way that we can rightly fulfill the nature of salvation is to plant a church among and with that includes every ethnicity, language, and people group. Because ultimately God uses the church to reach unbelievers. It is ultimately God's desire is to bring people to faith in Christ and then be united with a, a body of believers, a community of faith, which is the church, okay, the bride of Christ. Ultimately, God, Christ's mission is to make for himself a bride, okay, and that bride is in the church, and the church is made up of those from every ethnicity people group and language group. So ultimately the planting of the church, the planting of a church is the way that we will ultimately fulfill this compelling by the nature of salvation to reach out to those who are unlike us. It's through the planting of a church. So that's why. That's why we at Redeemer Church talk so much about planting a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana. But you know what? Hispanics aren't the only ethnic people language group in Champaign-Urbana. Would you agree? Amen. Right. I mean, yes, we've, we've recognized. We recognize that Hispanics are definitely an underreached people group. And we have opportunity. We have opportunity. That there are some circumstances that help us to have an opportunity to reach out to Hispanics through an ESL ministry. And you're going to hear about that a little later today during the announcement time. But Redeemer Church is about to launch in, this, in the fall an ESL ministry, English as a Second Language, primarily to Hispanics in, in Champaign. So we're not talking about, you know, Spanish-speaking students at U of I, though, hey, they, they might represent one of those people groups that we need to reach out to. But, but we have this opportunity through an ESL ministry, and you're going to hear more about that later. But 
let's talk about, for a moment, the University of Illinois. There are huge numbers of international students at the University of Illinois. People who are different from most of us, who ethnically are different, who speak a different language and come from a different people group. The nature of salvation compels us to reach out to them with the gospel also. So the same motive for planting a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana also exists for us to be involved as conversation partners with the Intensive English Institute at the University of Illinois. The same, uh, the, the nature of salvation similarly compels us to have a campus ministry at U of I that specifically reaches out to international students. So, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we have a registered student organization at U of I called Redeemer Fellowship. And this fall, among other things, will launch out in ministry to international students. Not only international students, all students. Okay, and <laughs> someone my age <laughs> might say that college students... You know, do speak a different language, and uh, <laughs> and perhaps also um, come from a different people group. Okay, I mean, you know, someone my age might think that. Okay, but uh, that ministry to international students is motivated by the very nature of salvation. It's why we do that. So think about this. You you must think about this. We must think about this. We must consider in our own lives, first of all, ask yourself this rhetorical question and answer it within your heart. Do I reach out with the gospel? Am I an ambassador for Christ to people who are very different from me? Do I reach out with the gospel? And I, am I an ambassador for Christ to those from every ethnicity, language, and people group. I think that's one point of application for us. Is to, act, to That needs to be part of our lives because remember what we said early on? If we only reach out to those who are just like us, we are denying the very nature of salvation and we're living in a way that is inconsistent with the gospel. If we're going to rightly if we're going to rightly represent the gospel and display the nature of salvation, we will be engaging in some way, in multiple ways, engaging those who are ethnically different, who speak a different language, who come from a different culture, a different language, language group, different cultural people group. Okay, But then, also, I think we must consider this. How do I fit into those things that Redeemer Church will be doing? How do you fit into Redeemer's ESL ministry? And, and maybe you haven't thought about it up to now. Well, you have something new to think about. Okay? You have something new to consider. How, in fact, maybe the question is how will you fit into Redeemer's 
ESL ministry? Or how will you fit into Redeemer's ministry to international students at the University of Illinois and Parkland? Don't forget, Parkland College also has a significant international student population, as well as they have mentoring programs for international students at Parkland College. You know, so, so how will you fit into those already existing ministries of Redeemer Church? And then, finally, how will you, how will you use the gifts and the calling that God has given you to start new ministries through Redeemer Church? To reach out to those who are ethnically uh, and, and culturally and by language different from us, from you. How, how will you do that? Why do we seek to plant a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana? Well, because the very nature of salvation compels us to reach out with the gospel to those who are very different from us. In fact, the nature of salvation is to redeem some from every ethnicity, every people, and every language group. But not only is that true, the nature of salvation reflects God's nature, His heart and His purpose in salvation. And then finally, God receives glory when His purpose in salvation is displayed. The planting, the planting of a Hispanic church in Champaign-Urbana, the reaching out to international students at the University of Illinois and at Parkland College will display the nature of salvation. It, it will be consistent with God's heart and God's purpose as it's displayed in the nature of salvation. And when the nature of salvation is displayed... God will receive glory. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we are grateful for salvation. God, thank you for saving us in Christ. God, thank you that you're a God who reaches out to those who are very different from yourself. Because, God, we are nothing like you, but yet you have redeemed us in Christ. God, thank you for salvation. I pray that we might display the very nature of salvation in that we reach out to those who are ethnically and, and culturally and by language different from us. God, I pray that you would glorify yourself in us as we display your heart and your purpose in salvation by taking the gospel to those who are different from us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.